Good morning. It's really good to see all of you. Uh, I know that there's a snowstorm kind of coming through, but it is wonderful that you uh, were able to make it out. We're also thankful in days like this for some of the other resources that God's given us. For those that couldn't make it, they can live stream, they can watch, they can do different things to join us and uh, worship along with us. So I'm going to encourage you to turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Uh, if the Old Testament is not the most familiar place for you, that's really towards the front, okay? So Deuteronomy 11 is where we're going to spend some time today. And you may be thinking, what, what are we going to do for Vision Sunday out of Deuteronomy chapter 11? Well, we'll get there in just a minute. But before we do, I thought I want to share with you a brief story that uh, kind of rings true and, and hopefully uh, encourages us today for, uh, for where we are. And really, even as you ventured here and we see the snow continue to fall. 174 years ago yesterday, on January 6, 1850, a 15-year-old young man was on his way to a regular church service during the great blizzard of 1850. When he couldn't walk any further, he turned down a side street. He ended up in front of a primitive Methodist church on Artillery Street. There, inside, was 12 to 15 people. The preacher was not able to come as the snowstorm had held him back. So a layman who was a deacon stepped into the pulpit and gave a short sermon from Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45, the young man, the 15-year-old young man heard for the first time, and it was clear to him that, that he needed a savior. As he heard the words from Isaiah 45, look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no one else. He gave his life to the Lord following that sermon and went his way after being prayed for by some that were there. That 15-year-old boy was Charles Haddon Spurgeon, later became known as the Prince of Preachers. His sermons and his works and his writings have gone on to be used of the Lord to affect many generations with that same message that he heard that very snowy day in 1850. Look unto me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no one else. So maybe on this snowy morning, we have the next C.H. Spurgeon sitting here. Ventured through the snow. I'm not sure if any of you walked. I walked, but my commute is very short. Um, so my encouragement for you is this. Even on a snowy day in the middle of January, God works. He has worked throughout this past year. He continues to work this morning and will continue to work as we look towards the next year of 2024. As I think about it, we kind of start off the year with a vision Sunday. I want to renew for us and remind us of what the vision of God's church is. God has a singular purpose, not only for you as an individual and for me as an individual, but also for us corporately as his church family. His calling is that we follow him as disciples and that we work to make disciples of others. That hasn't changed in 2,000 years. And in fact, that same call hasn't changed even before Christ was incarnate on this earth. That all the way back in Deuteronomy, in the days of Moses and even before that, God has been about one thing, that people would know him and as that passage from Isaiah 45 says that in knowing him, they would look to him. So my encouragement this morning is, as we work our way through some passages in Deuteronomy chapter 11, 
that I hope that we, not only while we're together, but even as we go, we look to the Lord. That's what this year is for. And I know that some people are in the the habit of picking a, a word for the year or, or a phrase for the year. And, and you may have already done that because we're already into January. But, but I want to encourage you, whatever you've done with that or your New Year's resolutions or your goals for 2024, I want to challenge you that if the top of your goal list or maybe the theme of your phrase for the year is not connected to God's work and what he has done and wants to do in you and through you to maybe reevaluate your list a little bit. This is something that God continually does for his people, right? In the days of the Old Testament, Israel was uh, a people who had come close to the Lord. They had heard directly from the Lord. They had his commands. They had seen his works and his miracles, and they had a tendency to wander and stray. And God had to call them back and remind them uh, to look to him. And in looking to him, they will see the one who came to save the world. Deuteronomy chapter 11, I want to read in just a minute, but as I do, as we jump into this, I want you to remember three distinct phrases that'll be our focus this morning. If you want to write these down, you can. If not, uh, just listen carefully and maybe you'll remember them as we go throughout. The first is this. The vision for God's people is always that we have been set apart for the express purpose of worshiping the one who saved us. That's what Deuteronomy 11 talks about. It's what Isaiah 45 talks about. It's, it's what John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus to talk about. It's, it's what we've been studying in the book of Matthew. has been walking our way through is this. As we look to him, the vision is always the same. And even though the calendar year turns over, I would caution you to not stray from the one calling that God has given you. Worship him and make him known. As we look to him, we're compelled to repent of our sin and our unworthiness. And we're compelled to plead with him to act in accordance with his character. Which, if we're familiar with him, we're familiar with his word, we know what his character is. He demonstrates goodness and mercy to his people. He lovingly corrects and calls to repentance those who stray away. And his character reveals to us continually that he is focused on saving the world from their sins. So as we look to him, we're compelled to respond. As we look to the world around us and look around at the world around us, we're compelled to plead with God to act in a way that is also consistent with his character, to rescue others, to rescue those around us that don't yet know him, to use us as individuals and his church family towards this end. So, twofold vision statement for us as we go into 2024. And if you stick around long enough and we turn the calendar over to 2025, it'll probably be the same thing. Okay? Look to God, worship him, and plead with him to move in your life. And while doing that, look at the world around you and plead with him to work in other people's lives. Deuteronomy chapter 11 leads us through a little bit of what this looks like. When God calls us to see him, look to him, and follow his commandments. Let's read together. I'm going to read the first few verses, then we'll go back and kind of take some of this apart for us as we go through this morning. Deuteronomy 11 chapter 1, or verse 1. 
It says, you shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, his commandments always. This is the beginning of what we know to later be known as throughout Deuteronomy chapter 11 is this great chapter of God calling people to know his commandments, to follow his commandments, and to pass them on. In verse 1 he says, You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. So as we look to God, one of the things we look to God through is his word. And 2024 should be a year where you're committed to knowing God's word better. Maybe you're very new to God's family. Maybe you're very new to God's word. And that doesn't mean you have to know all of it right away. It does mean that you should grow in your knowledge and understanding throughout this year. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time. I would also caution you to not think that you already know everything from God's word. There's always more to learn. There's always more that God wants to unpack, not just for you in black and white so that you can have knowledge about it, but he wants to turn that knowledge into heart change. When you choose to believe what he says and obey his commands and his charges and his callings and his statutes, then you'll see him work in even greater ways. We've used a phrase for many years here, the last couple at least, that says, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life three of which you might be aware of. He works in ways that the more you commune with him, the more you're in his word, the more you look to him, as Isaiah 45 calls us to, the more you look to him, the more you see it. And he opens your eyes to what's going on around you. So the call there, to love the Lord your God, to keep his commands, why? Why should we do that? What does that look like in our lives to actually believe that there's a specific purpose and a good reason to love the Lord and follow what he's called us to? Deuteronomy 11 verse 7 says this, when we ask why, for your eyes have seen all the great work that the Lord did. So today, and, and, and you may be struggling to, through your morning and you probably had to shovel and, and brush your car off and all the different challenges that at least up to this point we haven't really experienced this winter, but we had to do that this morning. And maybe to, this morning was a difficult morning for you. Maybe this week's been hard. Maybe the turnover into a new year has been difficult for your family or for you individually, or maybe your job's been more difficult. And what we want to be able to renew this morning and remember is what God's word says. Why do we look to him? Why should we look to him? Why should we obey him? Apart from his good and gracious character that the more you're in his word, the more you understand and the more it compels you to look to him and follow him, we also have seen him work. And maybe the first question in your mind as I say that is how? How have I seen him work? What does that even look like? Maybe you came this morning a little begrudgingly, or maybe you're watching a little begrudgingly, and maybe you're thinking to yourself, I don't know, 2024 is not off to a great start, and 2023 wasn't wonderful in my life. I'm not sure what's here. God wants you to pause and remember that he has worked. How has he worked? 
As you think back through this past year, I would encourage you in this. We have seen God change lives. We have heard stories of lives changed. We have seen God change families. We've watched families commit to raise their children to love the Lord their God and obey him. We've seen God carry us through trials, both as a corporate church family and also many, and many of our individuals, through trials and hardships. We've seen God bring joy to our hearts in those triumphs and celebration moments. But most importantly, we have seen him save people from their sins and bring them from darkness to light. So for no other reason other than this, in Deuteronomy 11:7, obey the Lord, love him and follow his commandments because you have seen him work. Have we seen him work, church family? We have. We need moments like the beginning of a year to pause and take a look back because otherwise we get caught up in the day-to-day. We get caught up in all the race around us, the stress, the trials, the renewing of, okay, now maybe you're on a little bit of a break and some downtime over the holidays. Now I got to ramp back up. I'm back to work. We're back to school. We're back to routine. We're in all of this. Don't lose in the middle of that the fact that God is at work. And some of it is flat miraculous. Whether it's the news of young people being brought to Jesus through other teenagers in our church. There's nothing better than sitting and listening, and I occasionally get to hear this, and just this past week, we talked a little bit in our staff meeting, and then I had a conversation out in the public with with a good brother, and he said, he was brought to tears talking about teenagers giving their life to Jesus. Maybe it's lifelong friends leading each other towards Jesus and an understanding of the gospel, and we've seen that this year as well. Stories of salvation for people who have known other people who have followed Jesus for a lifetime, but have just recently been, had their eyes open and given their lives to Jesus. Maybe it's those that have walked into this building or walked into your life or walked into the life of our church without knowing anyone else, but they've experienced the presence of God and they've experienced the welcome of God's people. We have definitely seen God work. We have seen God work in some amazing ways. 52 people that we know of, that we've been able to hear from and give an account for, have given their lives to Jesus throughout this church family in the last year. 52 people. That's amazing. 52 people into God's family. 52 people that you and I are gonna spend eternity with. 52 people that have come to know there's hope in a world that doesn't look very hopeful all the time, but it comes from Jesus. 26 people over this past year in 2023 have stepped into these waters behind me and followed Jesus in baptism. 26 people doing what Deuteronomy 11 calls us to, love the Lord your God and follow his commands. Jesus calls us to follow him in baptism. And we've seen that over and over again in 2023. Let's ask God to do more in 2024. Let's be even more committed as individuals in a church family than we were last year because we have seen him work. That's what Deuteronomy 11 says. 
11.7, for your eyes have seen the great work that the Lord, that he did. We've seen it, folks. We've seen it. We've seen it in our own lives. None of us would be here. We wouldn't be sitting in the same room together. We probably would not even know each other apart from Jesus. Apart from what he has done in our lives and done for us together. 52 lives given to Jesus, 26 people following him at baptism. And it's not about the numbers, it's about the life change. It's about transformation that happens when God's people follow his commands and love him. So what does God do? What do we see from scripture that God does when his people love him and obey his commandments? Look a little bit, a little bit later in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 13 and 14 with me. In verse 13, it says, and if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with, your heart, with all your heart and with all your soul, he will. I'm gonna pause right there after the first two words of verse 14. If you follow the Lord's command and you love him with all your heart and with all your soul, he will. It's a definitive statement. He will, and you could fill in the gap with all kinds of things that God's going to do after those two words. For God's people in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, if you continue reading in that verse, it looks like provision for them. He will send rain. He will bring crops from the fields because without those, God's people were going to die. But you could fill in whatever after those first two words. What will he do? He will fulfill his promises. He will continue to move and change people's lives. What else will he do? He will provide for you, just like he did in Deuteronomy, providing rain for food, for crops, for sustenance, for the economy to keep going, for God's people to be sustained. He will do what he says he will do, and he will continue to do it, because that's who he is. And God always acts in line with his character. It's who he was in Deuteronomy. It's who he's been in 2023. It's who he will continue to be in 2024. So if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, if indeed you obey his commands as he has showed us in his word, he will. So maybe that's your phrase for 2024. What do we know about God? We know that he will. He will show up when you need him. He will walk with you and probably even carry you through trials. He will provide for you. He will sustain you. He will show himself to you spiritually. He will give you hope and new life as you go into this year. He will do what he says he will do. Deuteronomy eleven sixteen gives us a warning in this pursuit as we think about going into a new season following the Lord. Deuteronomy eleven sixteen says, Take care. You've committed to following his commandments. You've committed to loving him with your heart and your soul. Take care. Why? Lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. This is also part of a vision for the next year. Be careful. Be careful. Why? Because the deceptions and the distractions sneak in really easily. 
They show up before you know it. And then you're down this road and you think, how did I get here? How did I lose my focus? And I haven't been in God's word for a couple weeks or a month. How, how did that happen? It happens slowly because if you do not take heed, if you are not careful, you will be led astray. Your heart will be deceived. And eventually, just like we see God's people doing throughout our Old Testament and even in all of history, eventually, if we do not take heed and be careful, if you are not focused on his commands and loving him with all your heart, with all your soul, you will end up being led astray and worshiping other gods. You might say, well, that sounds a little extreme, Pastor Rob. I'm not sure I would worship other gods. Oh, here's the problem, though. We make idols out of anything. We can turn anything into an idol. We find a little something we enjoy and we just want to focus on it. We let it consume us. We give our heart and our attention to it. We give our time to it. Before we know it, we're doing those things regularly even more than we're looking to the Lord and asking how does he want to use me and what does he want to change in my life? That, that's what he's talking about here. He's not only talking about, and I know growing up in the church, I, I used to think this uh, oftentimes, well, well, as long as I don't carve out some wooden idol and put, put it up on a mantelpiece in my house and start bowing down to it, I'm fine, right? No. No. John Calvin used a phrase often. He says, the human heart is an idol factory. <laughs> We'll do it, folks, if we don't obey Deuteronomy eleven sixteen, Take care. So another piece, not only he will, but for us, take care. Take care of yourself. And start spiritually. Take care of your soul. Take care of your path. Make sure you're looking to the Lord. Make sure that you're seeing him for all that he has done. Make sure that in those, those ruts that you get caught in, and we all get caught in them, those ruts you get caught in that actually start allowing your heart to believe that nothing good is happening, turn your attention back to him. Be careful because those kind of ruts turn into huge divots that you can't get out of. Take care of yourself. Keep your eyes focused on him. Follow his commands. If indeed you want to obey him, love him with all your heart and all your soul and remember that he is at work. Later in Deuteronomy in chapter 12, Moses continues on to tell the people a number of things to do that God is asking them to do. He says, don't follow or serve other gods. He says, don't sacrifice offerings in the specific place that God ordains and apart from the way he ordains and the way that he calls you to. He says to take care of the Levites, the, the people who around them were serving the Lord. He says, take care of and remember them. Why? Why? Not, not because they were some sort of special set apart, but because God had called them to keep him in front of them. So take care. I would say for us today, Take care to not let this, gathering together, sitting under, worshiping under through song, God's word, sitting under God's word preached, praying together, observing communion like we are going to today, and being together with the church family, take care to not make that an infrequent thing in your life. Be committed. Be committed knowing that if I don't take care of these things, I actually will find myself worshiping other gods. 
other idols in my life. He goes on in Deuteronomy 12 to say, give the Lord your first fruits of all that he's blessed you with. We see this constant understanding amongst God's people that he wants them to know that all that they have has come from him and they need to view it as his. So see the things you have and the time you have and the talents you have in light of God being a good giver to you. And then he says, be careful to not worship the Lord in the ways that the people around you worship their false gods. Here's the thing about following Jesus. It's gonna look different than everything else in the world. It's gonna look different. And be careful not to want it to look the same as everything else. Following God should be distinct. People who don't know God should look at it and say, that looks different. How you manage your time, what you're committed to, how you respond to events in your life, how you look to God's word, how you look to him, how when difficult things happen, you respond differently through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. All of this should look totally different to the world around us. Because the world around us, if they don't know him, they cannot. They do not have the ability to respond in the same way of those that know the Lord. So what does it look like to commit ourselves individually and as a church family going into 2024? It looks like remembering all God's goodness that he's done in the past. Write down a couple of those things that we already talked about. 52 people giving their lives to Jesus. The next time you think nothing's happening, put that somewhere where you'll see it. And let's ask God to do that twice that this year. More than that, abundantly more than that this year. 26 people willing to get up in front of all of you and be baptized, saying, I've given my life to Jesus and I want everyone to know. These are huge moments that God's done in the life of our church. Let's remember them, let's celebrate them because those are what encourages us to continue to move forward because God's at work. Matthew 22, a few verses before we wrap up. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four 34 says this. And we're studying in Matthew, so this is pertinent. We won't get to this for, for a while now, for a few months. But in Matthew 22, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he, that referring to Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, who was a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? What is the great commandment in the law? And the, and the goal with this, that this, this one attorney, this one lawyer wanted to do with Jesus was to trap him. Because he was thinking, as soon as Jesus names one, we're gonna call him a blasphemer because he didn't name a different one. So it was, it was trying to trap Jesus in this phrase. And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. That, that little interaction in Matthew 22 is like watching a really good, a really well-written script on, on some sort of a show where you're in a courtroom drama, right? And you watch these and, and I, I've, 
I've watched hundreds of these over my lifetime. You've, you have as well. And they walk into the courtroom and it looks like one side has the other side totally tied up. It's, it's over. The decision's made. One side has proven without a shadow of a doubt their argument and it's going to be a done deal. And you walk in and they say, this is the question. We got one question for you and this is going to close the deal. Let's wrap it up. And that's what's happening here. Because Jesus had already been in this conversation with the Sadducees, who were supposed to be these elite kind of religious people who knew the law and you couldn't get around it. And they had an answer for everything. And Jesus gets all done with this conversation with the Sadducees. And one of them says, what's the greatest commandment? Ah, we got him. We've been trying to trap him. We've been trying to catch him so that people would turn on him. And they're thinking, this is it. He closed the deal. He asked the right question. There's no way out. Jesus doesn't have a right answer here. Whatever he says, is we're going to get him. And Jesus says, if you look at the last phrase, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So what does Jesus say? He flips the script on him and says, oh, they're all important. Don't get me wrong. So I'm not discounting any of the law or the prophets that have gone before us that God has used. But these two encompass all of it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. These two if you can commit yourself to them, and if you faithfully ask the Lord to work them out in your life, these two will show the world that all of what God said is important and true. That you are following his commandments. That followers of Jesus and those who know God personally through his son should live totally differently. Why? Because we're not caught up in the bickering that goes on in the world around us. We're not trying to put others down. We're not trying to prove our point at the expense of someone else and their dignity. We are simply loving the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. It's, folks, it's not that complicated. And it's a good thing it's not that complicated. Because <laughs> if it was super complicated, we'd just keep messing it up. The reality is this, God has been abundantly clear to us. He has revealed himself, he has worked miraculously, he has saved souls, yours and mine, hopefully, all of us in this room. 52 new ones this past year. He is at work. That is why we are reminded to love him and follow his commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Let's go into this year doing those two things as a church family. As you converse with each other, as you run into each other, as you, as you see each other, and maybe you missed each other for a few weeks, and then you bump into someone in the foyer, let's have those kind of questions be asked. How are you doing? How's your love for the Lord? Don't just ask about the bills. You can ask about the bills. Just do it afterwards. Don't just ask about somebody's job. Don't just ask about their families. Those are all important things to know about each other as we're in life together, but start with what's most important. How's your love for the Lord? How's your love for the Lord? 
Let's ask each other that question so often that it stops being uncomfortable, huh? Because kind of, I know you're thinking, I, I don't read minds, but I'm not that far from you. You're thinking, that's going to be weird. It's okay. The more you do it, the less weird it is. The more it becomes part of your regular interaction with other believers, the more encouraging it is. How's your love for the Lord? Be honest when you're asked too. Not great. Been a tough week. Again, instead of having an awkward response, just very simply say, I've been there. Can I pray for you? This is how we can encourage each other throughout this year. Let's, let's spark each other on towards loving the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, and with all our strength, and then ask, how are you doing loving your neighbor? How's that getting worked out in your life? Because this is how God wants his family to grow. This is how he calls people to show the world what he's like. Let's go into this year committed to live as fully devoted disciples of Jesus. And as we go, to draw as many to go with us as we can. We're called to be a family of servant missionaries, loving the Lord and loving others. That's our vision for 2024. And it gets worked out in lots of different ways. But it's all circled around one distinct purpose that has been the same since Deuteronomy. It was the same when Jesus put on flesh and blood because he referred back to it. And it's the same for us today. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we're gonna pause. And we're gonna receive communion together in a few minutes. But before we do that, I'm gonna ask you to take a moment and work with the Lord on how you've done with this. And repent if you need to. Experience his love and forgiveness that he freely bestows on us as his children and commit to going forward into the next year, loving him more, knowing him better, and serving those around us with his love. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm going to pray in just a minute, but I'm going to give us a moment to just stop for a second. And don't just hear words. Ask the Lord how you've done with it. Ask the Lord to grow your love for him. And ask the Lord to grow your love for others. Father, as I pray, I'm going to continue and my prayer is that all those who are already praying would continue in that as well. Lord, we acknowledge that without your help, without your grace in our lives, without the work of the Holy Spirit continually transforming us, we get distracted. We lose focus. We get caught up in so many things. So this morning, we're asking that you would renew our vision to love you more, to seek you holy with all that we have to become more familiar with your word to repent more often of our sin and to experience more freely your grace 
As we go into this year, Lord, I ask that you would continue to grow your kingdom, your church family, drawing many to a saving knowledge of you. And let there be many more stories in the future, Lord, like C.H. Spurgeon, wandering into a gathering of God's family and hearing a call to look to you, the great Savior of sinners. So Lord, help us. We are so thankful for all that you've done. Your works are amazing. They're miraculous in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. And we ask that you would encourage our hearts and carry us forward as we seek to love you well and love others the way you've called us to. Father, as we come to your table this morning, I ask that you would draw our hearts into remembrance, knowing that you went to the cross, you died a death we deserved, you rose from the dead three days later, and you bring that kind of power and victory and saving grace to our lives. Help us to be amazed by all that you've done and all that you're doing. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.